Hey, welcome to Mighty Real Conversations with Ryan, Rocky, C, JP, and myself, Robbie. On today's episode, we discuss pride. Let's get into it. Mighty Real Conversations. I am one of your co-hosts, Robbie, with Austin Black Pride. I am the director of community engagement. My pronouns are he. Um, them, you can pretty much call me anything as long as you pay me, <laughs> but, um, yes. And, um, what else has music? Um, yeah. And that's me. So I'll let the rest of my co-hosts introduce themselves. I am C. I go by she, her. Um, I am with Austin Black Pride and I do the co-directing of, um, the entertainment department. Hello, my name is Rocky Lane. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm a media and consulting. I have a media and consulting brand called Swirl Baby TV, Swirl Baby LLC, and I work as an advisor for Austin Black Pride and also for organizations like Transgender Education Network of Texas and Black Trans Leadership of Austin, and um, I'm very happy to be here with you all. Hey, my name is Ryan, and my pronouns are he, they. I am on the board of Austin Black Pride for sponsorship and outreach, and I am also a very radical patient advocate. I am very queer here, and I probably will talk your head off about how I'm going to end white fragility. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. Okay, come through. (laughs) Come through. I live. I am so excited to be doing this boundaries and call it hot topic. So in the grand gayness of things, I call it what's the tea. Um, And so the first thing um, that I have at the top of the list that we have at the top of the list is about the football player that just came out. Nisby? I might be saying that wrong. Carl Nisby. Now, I sent this out to you guys, and I'm pretty sure you guys have probably heard about it in the media. So um, how do you guys feel? White guy, Carl, just came out. He is a defensive Raiders. Um, Came out, got a lot of support. Um, Everyone really rallied around him. Um, He claimed that it wasn't a media thing, that it was just him in his backyard. You know, he just felt like he wanted to do this he got really back but we also know about a black player um that came out before he was drafted he didn't get that much support sam um so what are you guys thoughts like about this like are you guys happy does this make you guys like what's your feels um i guess for me my feeling would be um are we surprised (laughs) like this (laughs) this is what happens um when it comes to to anything, whether it's gay, whether it's entertainment, um, if Black people do it, it's it's kind of um, not really embraced. But if a, a white person does it, then all of a sudden people have a different um, outlook or perspective on it. And they're like, oh, okay, maybe I can't handle it. So I'm I'm not surprised at all that. Um, more people are just like oh yeah a gay NFL player and the NFL is like oh yeah we we were okay with it um so yeah not surprised <laughs> I don't know I felt disrespected for Mike Sam Michael Sam basically um which I don't know I just felt like when I mean he did it to me I mean I'm not trying to say that someone's oppression or someone's fight is bigger than the other but I like just I just want to make it clear that Michael Sam like came out before he was drafted like so he was taking a really big risk by being like I'm gay before even like being set up to be drafted 
and being black. I'm kind of just like, it's so interesting. Like every time a person that is literally everything that we've already doing, there's already been a first black person that came out on the NFL team. There's always been a first black person that done this. There's always, always something. And we don't get any of the accolades or any of the recognition that this person that I can't even tell you his name because I don't even think he's a great football player, obviously. I don't even think that it's fair that he's about to get like, you know, endorsed by Nike, Puma, all these people. But on our end, where where's um the where's Michael at? You know, like where's these people that are at now that showed their truth, that waited in their truth, and they don't get the same like, you know, backlash. I'm not saying I want um this poor man to get any backlash. It's just it brings up the conversation of I feel like his disconnecting of being so white that he didn't even see how he is in a different realm and a different privilege by posting that video. Like if someone else posted that video that, that was not famous, they could have got killed, anything, something mall. It could have just been very detrimental for them on their end. But because he's protected by white fragility and white privilege and all of that and no consequence, it's just so interesting how we're all like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm just like, bitch, can we talk about the um, my girl that's over here with orange hair on the track team you know what i'm saying like stuff like that like i don't even care about another white gay man coming out that's yeah. just my personal opinion Hello. i just agree i think you know if we're surprised then we're not paying attention and i i think also um you know we're seeing a lot of people fight really hard for new things new rights in and visibility around sports right now and we're seeing a lot of people break really important records and a lot of really fantastic black um excellence uh, specifically and i think that it would be nice to to give people uh give people more press around this um but i think we know that you know, I, things technologically like shadow banning are becoming a real problem for people. And I feel like the more that our, our stories get suppressed in that way, in a world that has a very low um, attention span for seeking out this kind of content and like bringing it up. Um, I think that like, we really have to be more intentional about like trying to lift up this person and like lift up their work and try to be really intentional moving forward because no one else is going to do it for us. And what I think white people do well is that they do kind of always stand their people in this like really impactful way. Um, and I didn't see that same energy coming from our own communities as always. Preach. Yes. Um, well, we know within the black community, though, anything gay though is is extremely taboo. Like uh, to have anybody gay, um, to have a gay professional basketball player, a gay hockey player, and they're black. It's 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 just we don't do that in our community. Why would you do that? Why would you embarrass us? We have other things going on. Like I I've seen those comments. Um, like when Michael Sam did come out and say that he was he was gay and he was about to be drafted into the NFL, he he got so much backlash from a lot of black people, his own community just bashed him. Um, so it's it's that's why um this white guy can come out and he's able to be in a safe space because his community makes it where it's okay for him to be who he is. Um, as far as our community, we don't make it 
okay to to be ourselves. We don't make it okay for us to um, think outside of the box, to try to do anything outside of the box. When when you're trying to be different, that that is something that our community just does not know how to um, embrace well. Like the shame spiral that our families have to go through because they can't truly be proud of us is like it's got it's it's really kind of disheartening. I think generational. Uh, when you just said that, it was just like when you were like saying about that, it just made me say out loud, "Yeah, it's generational." Like how it it's not just us that's affected by that coming out. And that's pretty sad, you know. And like I think our families would love to have the opportunity to, to celebrate. But yeah, I, I can agree with what Z was saying. It's like, <laughs> puts them at a risk for sure. To like, They're like, what's there to be proud of? <laughs> you know, or like we got pushed back even in our operations here locally. Just like, why are y'all out here trying to like, have your own thing and be unique and special like you're yeah. you're not contributing to the black agenda and it's like what what are you talking about like what do you mean it's just people mad at us for mad at our community for a lot of things that they can't really explain or articulate and it just kind of blows back on us so yeah definitely i was i was thinking about it um i don't know if you guys um heard or, or or found out that you know queen latifah finally also um i guess publicly announced that um you know she is also queer um yes and, and even with that um I noticed uh when I went to her social media just seeing different blogs you know people were just like well we could have did without that like oh like are you serious and like during this time and it was it was black people when when I looked at the comments and looked at the pictures of who was applauding her and who was like yes I mean we already knew it but yes come out we're so happy for you they were white or or Hispanic or somebody that just was not black but black people were like well we could do without um why would you do this and and then some people you know they're talking about canceling her themselves and I'm just like you you guys are never happy <laughs> like our community there there's no happiness within our community it just creates this another moment of why is it that like when black people have these powerful moments of standing in their truth and not expecting reinforcement of support but it should be just because of solidarity and community we all want it, it's confusing because for the lgbtq plus people we all feel what the heteros feel when george floyd got died and all that like we felt that just like yep. as one and then when it comes to situations like when we see like our trans people are black trans people getting killed doing all this stuff it's kind of silent but then we're all loud with brianna and so it's just kind of like i do want the same support and stuff because when the netflix girl juno she came out as being trans and in my mind i will say this out loud i was kind of like okay like you know because <laughs> there was so much going on and i was kind of like did we need that and i felt kind of ignorant saying that because in a sense, I'm like, she's still part of my community, da 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 or he's still part of my community. But it was more so we, everyone was uplifting him, uplifting him, so proud of his moment, which I'm not saying I don't want that love for him. But it was just like, now let's just say LeBron James or whoever came out of uh, one of, or Michael B. Jordan came out and said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm actually trans. I want to know, well, I already know why is it that he will not get that same love not from the same people that he is identified with for a second because he was he would be identifying as straight but now he's like you know what I'm gonna decide to live this life of being a trans experience he would not get that same love from any heterosexual and so it's just interesting that 
white dude can come out here say he's a I'm gay and I'm loud and I'm I get all this support from my team and da 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 but I don't see that at all in like our community and that's where I want to know where what do we need to do as black people what do we need to do as who needs to have the conversation is it the LGBTQ folks that still need to have more conversations about that or do we need to start directing that to the heteros Oh, I was just about to bring that up. But wait, first of all, I just want to go back and just be like, yes, giving Queen Latifah all of her flowers. I'm so happy that she is finally, um, you know, of course, we all speculated that, you know, right, yeah. but at the same time, <laughs> we were like, okay, sis, you know, we're going to wait on you, you know, we're going to wait on you. But yeah, I totally agree with like the support in the Black community. And and we're going to get into that a little later when we go into our main discussion about pride um, and why Black Pride was even started. It's just so, it's like, who do we get that? Who do who do we start with? Like, um, I mean, I know Black queer people, we're always talking about it, but we need our voices to be, um, what's the word, amplified, like louder. And so like, who do we call on? What do we do? Like, is, is this, because I remember when we started, I remember the discussion around Black Trans Live. I, I mean, back, Black Trans Lives Matter. And I am in this group. Um, I don't, I'm not going to disclose its full name, but I'm in this group that is with it's majority Black people um, in the city of Austin. And I remember the discussion of trans lives, I mean, Black Trans Lives Matter coming up. And they were just like, well, why does it have to be like this? Like the LGBT already has their thing. I don't understand why, like, like it's weird for the black community to support black LGBTQ because they think that we are grouped in with the like white our white counterparts, um, and I guess that's where the hangup is because that was literally what most of black male and female were saying in that chat the whole time was basically like um, the LGBTQ has its own thing going that can be their own little fight um, like we're trying to focus on black people and I'm like black trans people are people so it's gonna take hell and high water for our community to come around and really support us well you know i think actually the the issue that the black community has is it it really stems from um more of a religious standpoint um because uh, a lot of um black people they they would either consider themselves spiritual or, or religious individuals and they they practice and if they're not fully religious or spiritual they still um they still participate in certain uh, Christianity beliefs. And one of that is, of course, you know, um, being gay is just this horrible sin that cannot come back. It's the number one abomination, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, when they actually fail to educate themselves on the fact of, you know, that's not even what, what's quote unquote in that Bible. That's not even how it was translated over. And only man changed that as of recently back in the 1940s, I believe. So um, it's it's a lot of um, ignorance in our community, which makes it harder um, to to discuss these things because we, we we run across where our community, they don't really want to learn um it's it's been this way for some and this is just my experience this is how I'm, I I see it is that they've they've um they've been taught and they've been continuously fed this um agenda that being gay no matter how you want to put it whether you're trans whether you're a lesbian 
whether you're bisexual, just being anywhere within our community is just so wrong and just so immoral that um, we don't belong, we don't fit, and there, there's no there's there's no reasoning besides you just telling me you're going to convert back over to being straight. If you're not talking to them about straightness, they don't care, and it's mind blowing. So true, so true, and and um. And see, I don't know if you feel this or not, but I do feel like, especially for like the black lesbians, they like are super targeted toward you guys. I feel like, cause I have like this young lady that from my community um, where I was growing up at and she was battling between, you know, like her religion and her sexuality for a very long time. Luckily she's found peace with, um, she's found a balance where she still can maintain her religion. I mean, cause you still can be a Christian and be gay. I don't, I don't yes. think it's an oxymoron. <laughs> I don't think it's like crazy out of this world. Um, if you are, you, I feel like you can be both. And uh, she realized that and I'm super proud of her, but yeah, I, I totally feel like, especially, I mean, for black gay men, I feel like they just be like, y'all for the streets, there's no saving y'all. But I know for like, like lesbian women, black lesbian women, they'd be like, we can change you. And it's like, really? Yeah, um, it's from my own personal experience. I was actually recently talking to my girlfriend about this. And I was telling her when I was growing up, you know, I, I grew up in a um, two parent household. Um, my parents are straight. I got one mother, one father. And um, I remember when it came to elementary school and they thought a little boy liked me, that was okay. Like, oh, your little boyfriend, um, I, you know, they they always talked about, oh, when you, when you grow up, you're going to get married, you're going to find your husband. So you have to do all these things, all these things. And I knew at a very, 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 very young age, I was highly attractive to uh, attracted to the same sex like I I've always loved women um but because I also grew up in a Baptist home I um I fought with myself a lot um I remember telling my girlfriend I um I used to pray to God to make the gay go away and I think in turn um he just made me masculine so (laughs) Um, with that, said, here you go. <laughs> I want to teach you, basically. Right. So I, um, I, I think that's what happened. Um, I, I no longer consider myself religious. I don't like to trample other people's beliefs after what I've experienced. I just, I don't, I can't agree with what I was taught and the different things that are still being taught and spread. So, um, I, I just consider myself spiritual. And um, but getting back on it on the topic that we're talking about, um. I battled with who I was for so long that um, I would date men, but I was against having sex with them. Um, when I did decide to to have sex with a guy, it was because I was being pressured. People could not understand, like, well, you you've dated this guy and blah blah. Like, how how is how are you how how are you not one pregnant or something? I'm just like, y'all, y'all still want me to be a teenage pregnant person? What's, what's wrong? Like something's wrong with that. But it's like, they were okay with me being um, a teenager that was pregnant by a guy, but they were, they were totally against when they did find out that I was gay. They were totally against me being gay. Wow. And so um, growing up, <clears throat> I would date guys and then I joined the military and I joined during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. <clears throat> so I had this um, this sergeant at the time that was really on my ass. 
And then I also had an ex-girlfriend who unfortunately got herself with some problems where she had to get a court martial <clears throat> and going through the court martial, they started coming after me about my sexual orientation and why me and her were so close. So again, I basically had to have like a purse, a male purse, like, oh no, this is my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> and I had to, I had to pretend for so long and then I had to do things that at the end of the day was not me because I was being forced to be straight um so then when I finally came to terms with one who I was and and how I was going to live my life I I, I am that I'm C I'm a lesbian and I, I love women <laughs> like and I will stand firm on that and and that's why I continue to tell people people are going to be who they are um and you can't force you can't force um us to to be straight i don't think there's a such thing as that forcing somebody to be straight i don't even think there's a such thing as people who quote unquote go back into the um the straight world i there's no way you are going to convince me you still do not look at um whatever sex it was that you were attracted to you're <laughs> like there is no way you're going to convince me otherwise like hello you, you you still got some type of urges now just because you're suppressing them that hey kudos to you <laughs> but um you know our community is so it's so toxic our community is really toxic and and to and I and I always tell people and I, I definitely tell um younger kids that when you want to walk in your truth regardless if you're lesbian gay trans um, bisexual, demisexual, you have to be a very strong person because there are so many outside forces that is just trying to continuously break us. And I, I don't understand what the obsession is on trying to get me to change to be like you. It's crazy. If you don't mind me asking, see, I wanted to touch on what you were saying about like, because to me, it sounded like, in a sense, like, when I got all of that, like, it reminds me of conditioning and reminds me of that our parents and people around mm -hmm. us were just teaching us what they technically were just think that is supposed to be. And yep. I have that conversation with my mom a lot too, sometimes where I'm like, do you not, is it kind of different? Like how you, how she as a parent, cause she has, I have four little sisters now that are growing up in this generation. And I ask her this, like, do you think that the way that you raised me as a black queer person that you didn't even realize was going to go through all this stuff. You just wanted me to graduate. You just, you just wanted me to graduate. And, but she didn't realize like therapy, this, 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 that. And so now we have these conversations about like my sisters about like how therapy is needed or these other types of ways of parenting. Do you feel that that was like a big, like say if your parents actually supported you, your figuring yourself out. Do you think that that would have been a difference? And do you think that conditioning is a, big part of like a lot of black people's mistakes <laughs> uh yeah definitely the conditioning I think is a, is a lot of the black people's mistakes you know I think in general um us being here and in this country alone being black we, we automatically have a target on ourselves and I think our our um the the people in our lives uh the people that were before us that are in our lives our our ancestors our our grandparents our uncles and all that great uncles they were so conditioned to just conform that anything different is it's um it's it's just it people tense up people don't like change for whatever i mean i mean people don't like changing anything but people definitely don't like change when it comes to gay people i mean people still have a fit that 
you know, we can get married. Like people are still going to court trying to petition it. And it's like, well, when you guys first petitioned it, you said that if we got married, then y'all was just going to die apparently from us getting married. Um, the, the school system was, was just going to mess up. Um, if you allow gays to openly serve then the military was just going to be um, in such a, a disarray of, of assortments, but none of that happened. Hell didn't freeze over and <laughs> everybody has continued on, but people are so used to um, oppressing us that, to see us rejoice in freedom or to see us happy, it bothers them. My my girlfriend has this saying all the time. She's like, um, when people that are mean and hateful, when they're around people that are happy, they can't take it. It really bothers them. Like it, it just drives them crazy. And I think that's the same thing that happens within our community. They can't take it that um, parts of them is, is um, you know, suppressed. They can't really be... Um, black and proud we all know that being gay but at least we can be um black and gay and i'm gonna be proud about it um it's just it's so many layers to this conversation but for me in general um i think if my parents weren't trying to beat me with the bible so much it would have been a smoother transition even when i i did finally come out to my parents you know, my, my mom tried to lie to me and tell me that she was okay with it, but it wasn't until, um, maybe recent years and I'm 32. So I would say maybe by the time I was 26, 27, um, did my mom have a better handle on me being gay? And I came out to her when I was about 16. So she struggled. She, and, and there's still times where she struggles now, like, um, I have to educate her on, on a lot of things. Um, like uh, she likes to now. I don't. I don't like Caitlyn. Um, uh, I think that's her name, right? Bruce's Caitlin, name. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner. Don't even. Yes, Caitlyn Jenner. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I don't. I don't really care for this individual, but I respect their pronouns. My mom has a habit of referring to her um by her older pronouns and I have to educate her like that's not that's not who they are now that's not who they are now they they are they they say that they are a she so you call them she it's not that hard yes so true and speaking of Caitlyn Jenner see she gave me like the perfect segue into that Rocky I was gonna ask you how what is your vibe with um, Caitlin and how she and her stance with everything as running for governor of California. Like, are like how? Was Ryan talking? Oh no, no, no I'm sorry. I I keep forgetting to put myself on mute. I'm looking at I'm looking you're at okay. two different things. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Oh, you're okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't talking over you. Um, yeah, I don't really pay that much attention to a lot of that. Um, because it's not really uh, my present focus because I work in our region. and uh, But I, I do um, have some understanding of what's happening there. And I think what comes up when it comes with Caitlin and, and many other people that end up in a position of um, visibility, but don't have a lot of the educational or talking points is that we end up with false information or harmful information that a lot of us end up um, fighting in our regions because 
you know, the visibility piece increases the public's um, awareness of what's going on. And if that false information gets to them first, which is often the case, either by what C was talking about, faith-based groups um, putting out information about their personal feelings on the subject, or in this case, Caitlin doing a very similar thing, it creates a lot of work for people that do the educate the education um, of communities. Um, and I think, you know, what we want to see is um, trans people, people with trans experience, people who are exploring this, to be able to live their lives and not have a specific way that they, you know, there's no trans ink, there's no ex ex specific way that you're supposed to be trans or be in, in this space, but we do have, um, what's her name, Rachel Levine or um, people like that who are also in positions um, where they have an enormous amount of experience, let's say medically, um, that when you're talking about trans issues, what makes us different and, and some other groups um, is that we do have this very medical specific and affirming care component that um, we see in other communities um, and in the wider communities like the LGB communities um, that when they had to get a lot of their care for HIV, but there was a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of things going on uh, in during that, that crisis and that community understanding that contributed to us having to do all this stigma busting now, right? Like, how do you catch things? How do you do this? And so I think what Caitlin is doing is a disservice to our community because it's uninformed information the way that we're going about things like uh, discussing who should be able to compete in sports and, and how those things align, I think is going to cause a lot of trouble for more than just trans people. And I don't think, uh, I think C also touched on this, which I think is important. Our community is not even at a 101 stage or an initial stage of understanding, let's just say, of trans people or of our community as a whole. I don't think having somebody hyper visible running for governor and and saying some of these talking points is a is something that's going to contribute to our community, the Black community, getting a great education. Um, I think they're going to get a watered down, distilled education that's only based in this like hyper visible platform form where in fact a lot of the the true understanding of our data and why talking points are important and why it's important to let people compete where they need to compete um, and how the body changes when we do hormonal change things like that it, it really does affect so many groups that we need to pr be protecting right now and so I would encourage Caitlin to step back I think a lot of people have um, and right now I think our, our overall thing is a general concern for trans youth you know we're going into a special session we know that in Texas they attack trans youth first before yeah. they start attacking any other programming that has to do with um, LGBTQIA2S plus people. And um, I think that Caitlin is creating fire and a lot of people do that similarly. I think they do it to gain a conservative vote. I think they do it to gain the faith-based communities, which they think are more powerful in this, in the legislative work, but it is really um, dismantling to a lot of hard work that happens, especially the people I know and love um, in the work nationally. So um, I, I don't speak specifically about people, but I will say that um, there are a lot of archetypes of the trans person with hyper visibility and not a lot of education that have to, especially in the white community, because there's more of them than there are us on paper. Um, 
there's a lot of having to encourage those people to step back and use their power for for an opportunity to bring up more diverse voices that need support and Caitlin has quite a bit of privilege a lot of us do I was speaking from a place of privilege now and uh, one thing I do to try to make my privilege create less of an impact of causing harm is I try to step back and allow those voices to come forward and that would be what I think needs to happen in that case I hope that answered the question yes no I'm so glad that you like answered that question the way you did because it's I, I really want any like white LGBTQ plus person that is listening to this to really echo on your words Rocky because you said something so important about like the black community and how people that are like on these really visible platforms that are LGBTQ plus um and they are um talking misinformation it really hurts the black gay community the black queer community very much to the core because like again like this gives our family and people that are already against us ammo to like just keep I mean to fuel their 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 hatred toward us so yeah, I'm so glad yeah. you shared that. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, I think when we talk about like equity modeling and like what we want to see for Black community and growth, we have to mirror what we see as successful in this in this structure, or we have to work outside of it completely, right, and move to like a collectivist strategy or something where we all resource share. But like, if we're going to be in this, we have to mirror the communities that we see are successful around some of these topics. And when it comes down to it, the one place that white community seems to be able to do some inclusion is in, in our community. Um, and I think that that's because they've been educated that this is how they keep their children alive. And, um, you know, I think if we were doing a similar thing um, and we continued to do that in a way that we didn't feel like we were in danger, you know, if we could find a way to safely do that and talk about that and how we'd like to keep our children alive and talk about the data that we're seeing, especially locally, that I think is very compelling. Um, I think our families, I, you know, my mother, you know, raised me a single mom in the in the 80s. Um, I think a lot of her concerns around my life and what decisions I made uh, were from a place of protection and knowing that people like us don't get a lot of care regardless mm -hmm. and that adding that would only make it harder. And I think that a large part of that is that she was right. But also she asked me a lot of questions now about trans issues and, and, and language and is quite receptive um and you know we hear people yeah i know and i i like i like that because i think somebody in that and i talk to parents all over this country who are raising trans children or little queer children or, or any any combination of gender diversity that you may see and there's so much more of us than there is you know this idea of a heteronormative archetype that's like a ruling class <laughs> so i think you know it's like as our community gets a chance to have open, honest, courageous conversations about this and really get to know their children and understand that knowing their children saves their children, I think that education is is more than just language and words. It's also building empathy and capacity for our communities to grow, to learn. And they won't do that if they're feeling uh, no abundance or if they're feeling like they're not, that they're not being heard in their concerns for our everlasting soul, you know, <laughs> like, or whatever, you know, whatever thing 
things are there, but also I think, you know, when we're talking about the data that we see now, a lot of white people took that data to the parents. They took it to them at the PTA meetings and they talk about it at the dinner table and they talk about how this, you know, this epidemic of losing our children, our youth, you know, needs to start with home acceptance. And if we just get that basic thing down with our families, which I think is 100% within them, the capacity is there within them. Um, I think we are on the right road, but I agree. It's like, it's a huge barrier right now for so many reasons. Yes. Thank you so much for that, Rocky. Before we close our category of what's the tea, I also want to just circle back around and give, um, and y'all correct me if I'm saying her name wrong, but give Sarah, I mean, no, not Sarah, uh, Shakari, Shakari, give Shakari her flowers as the fastest woman, a black woman, a black queer woman in America. Like y'all, that's amazing. She is literally one of the fastest people in America. Well, no, she is the fastest woman in the in America. So she is the moment. She is an icon, and she is a legend. Like any guys, that have anything you want to share about that before we go to our main discussion? Yeah, um, actually, I'm glad you brought her up. Um, I've been seeing so many things about her. I mean, I was following her before. I think I followed her maybe four years ago. Um, I was hearing things about her um, and I thought she was amazing. I love her comeback because I believe in 2018, she didn't qualify for the Olympics and this year she was able to. So I'm actually proud of her. I've seen the um, the growth and the progression that she's done in her her sport. So I'm, I'm definitely a super, super duper excited for her. But I'm also, again, disappointed in our community. Um, I had logged on to Facebook and I saw people reposting where um, this guy, I don't know who he is, um, but he was basically um, uh, saying that we have to stop uplifting women like her. We have to stop uplifting women who want to take on the role of a man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, it goes back to there's this um, these there's these beliefs and these um, practices that the black community has had where um, um, they're they're really really damaging. They're they're so damaging, to, especially to the LGBT community. Um, you know. This man also went on further to try to talk about her physique and and basically compare it to a man's physique. And it's like, how much of an idiot are you? Mm. She has a woman's physique that's just, she's muscular because she's been working out. She's put her body through all of this training. This is what happens when you train. I'm sorry, sir, if you're jealous. But then (laughs) it makes me... It makes me wonder, are you jealous that this woman is being a woman and she's being amazing? Like, do you low-key want to be a woman? Because when I hear people talk so down on the LGBT community, it makes me think, are you are you wanting to be where I'm I'm at for you to have this much hatred? So you do you hate yourself that much? So um, I I just want to say to anybody that's 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 listening to this podcast, I don't I don't think people need to share thoughts like that of her. People need to continue to share what she has accomplished. They need to continue to share that video where she looked at her time, she saw that she was up front and she pointed. Continue to share that. 
share how she ran up into the the stands and and went to her grandmother first her her backbone that is what we need to continue to talk about we don't need to talk about her hair yes her hair is going to be messed up because she's running how many miles per hour <laughs> and the wind's probably going like that's irrelevant like yes. people say the dumbest things sometimes so you, you you are correct i hope we can give this woman her flowers because she is doing some amazing things and i hope she continues to be the trailblazer that she is just like i hope that simone um bows or bow bows right um i hope she i hope she continues to be great despite what they are doing in in um in in her sport like i hope these women continue to knock down these these um hurdles that are supposed to be meant to slow them down are are supposed to be meant to um, hurt them i hope they continue to just have people having their mouths on the ground so i'm actually proud of these women speak on it yes um yeah so before we close this in uh, yes i just want to again give the give our flowers to um michael sounds she she kept i'm gonna say her name right she carrie and um yeah thank you guys for being trailblazers especially i love when she came out and was like my girlfriend picked out my hair i loved yes, it like, yes her girlfriend picked out my hair and she did all this and her mom had just passed like maybe like what weeks ago i want to say so that was just amazing her strength is amazing so um so yeah before we just close what's the tea i just want to say uh yeah to all of those that we spoke on here are your flowers. We see you. You are visible and continue to keep making strides for the Black queer community. Um, so now it's time for us to get into the main discussion of our podcast, which is pride. So I guess I want to kick things off with um, each of you guys telling me about like your first pride. Like, how was it? What was your experience like? And what pride means to you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have a funny story about my first pride. <laughs> Oh, I can't so, wait to hear this. Go for it. Um, so I went to I didn't know that it was pride at the time because I was closeted gay. <laughs> I was believe I believe I was maybe um I want to say 14, 15. My mom, when I was growing up, she had this habit every summer of taking us, me and my friends, to Vegas. I don't know why, because if you're not 21 plus, what is the point of taking your kids? <laughs> so my mom would always take me and a group of friends to Vegas, and she just so happened to do it this time um, during June, Pride Month. And um, there was a pride happening. I mean, I saw rainbows. I saw gays. I mean, I saw things that I never <laughs> had even thought of because I was told to stay away from that type of stuff. Yeah. And I remember... Um, I was wearing a um, a black and a, a white striped um, jumpsuit and um, I had a hat on and this woman c- comes out of nowhere and she's like oh hey you're cute and I was like okay and she goes she was like are you like a little stud and I was like what is that <laughs> and what you call me wait pause the presses what <laughs> I had I had no idea what any of this was. And mind you, I'm, I'm with my friends from high school and they don't even know I'm gay. Um, I'm, I'm also with my parents because my 
parents are watching us, um, but they're also having their own good time drinking, of course. And so this woman is talking to me about it and she literally goes, she goes, it's okay, you'll figure it out. And you know what? She is correct. So if she ever was to hear this, you are right, sweetheart. I definitely figured it out. (laughs) I'm not a stud though. (laughs) I am a no label, but um, she is right. I figured it out. And so that was my first gay pride experience (laughs) work work (laughs) i love it i love it first of all the fact that she still clocked you in a whole what do you say a striped pantsuit and a hat oh yeah 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 (laughs) i had i would i you know i thought i was suited and booted and ready to go (laughs) (laughs) what still getting clocked first pride experience i kind of was in the same way with uc like I actually was at one of the prize that I, one of my first prize that I remember, I didn't even know, you had to think I planned it because I really did not know that it was pride going on in New Orleans when we were planning on going. And we were like, what's going on? And like, it was like me and my best friend, like my best friend from Houston, me and him like do anything and everything together. And it was at that time. And so it was just very like, okay what's going on and we were both like I had to be 21 I remember being very straight out straight hot straight hot and ready for whatever Woo. and I were and I just remember like we were like okay we're in New Orleans we were excited and then when they found out it was pride because I saw all the rainbows and all of that and I was like oh okay and so and it was my first pride event because in Houston I didn't really like I always heard about Splash but I never ever went I always heard about Splash Splash was this big thing in Houston where it would be like a whole three-day event. People would like have pride on the Galveston. It would take over. And I never ever just, I never had the opportunity to do it, I guess. And or then when I did, I was 21, I ended up being in New Orleans. And when I say New Orleans pride had showed me out, because one, I didn't even know. Two, the friend that I was with, he just got out of her. Oh, what it was, he just got into a relationship, but he found out that the person that he was with like cheated on him or something. It was some stupid <laughs> shit. It was some crazy. It was like some Zola shit because yeah. I was definitely single. I remember I just broke up with the dude I was with since I was 17. And I was like, I am ready. And then when we found out it was pride, I we got like we upgraded our rooms. And then the guy the people literally in New Orleans, I every day I always think about the hotel on Rampart um, because they upgraded our rooms because it was pride. They had an opening and they upgraded our rooms and it was so sweet of them. And I just remember like feeling so much love. Like I grew up in Houston and, you know, it's so diverse when it comes to all these different, like, you know, different like cultures and groups and people that you affiliate with. But like, I never felt like, like I had my own space because the gays are toxic and in Houston it's like I don't know I feel like it's like they eat you alive like I don't know if they think that they're in a space that if they tear you down they're gonna get something but it's just so unfortunately not fun to be gay in Houston (laughs) and so I think that's why I never thought about Splash and so when I was in New Orleans I had like I had people literally coming up to me and all of this. And this is me being on this earth for 21 years. I came out when I, I've been gay my whole life. So I didn't really come out, but when I did come out, it was like, okay, girl. And so it was like, that was it for me. So I never really had one of those moments, but I still never felt seen. When I went to New Orleans, this old, old, beautiful, beautiful 
beautiful woman. She had to be 50 something. She was trans. And I never, ever, ever felt so seen and loved since my grandmother. The way she talked life into me, just seeing me on the streets, to see me on the street and pride enjoying myself. She stopped me. She was like, you are glowing. And she just was so, she just wanted to talk to me for five minutes. And she's talked so much life into me, talked to me about her experience of when she used to be, she used the term butch queen and how she's now a beautiful woman. And it was just, it was moving. And I think about that all the time. I think about love when I think about our Black pride and everything. I, I, I always associate that with like a renaissance. I associate that with we are going to dance on the street. We have to have love there's no not no fighting none of that like because when I was in New Orleans people complimented each other people gave I seen people eating a shrimp basket together they, I know they didn't know each other I know they, they didn't and it was just like this is what I'm talking about you know like so when I think of pride I just think of renaissance I think of unity I think of strangers loving on each other and like just seeing each other where they at and that was me at 21. I wish I had that experience at 15 because I think I would have been extra radical. <laughs> <laughs> I live. I love. See, I wish I had a new. See, y'all probably sound fun. Mine was like super like, like horrible. Like my first pride, I'll never forget it. Uh, I at I was in college in, at Mississippi State and they were trying to actually get it to happen. So, um, so imagine being in like what conservative Mississippi and like a college town and everyone's like, okay, we're going to get pride started. And it was such a pushback. It was so hard like to get, and I was what, like maybe 22 at the time. And I just remember I felt bad because I didn't go to any of like the meetings or the rallies or anything like that. Um, but luckily it ended up getting approved by the city and they had it, but I had just gone through so much pushback at like work and with the community of Starkville just being like, why do it have to be a gay pride? I mean, like if they're having a gay pride, can we have like a straight pride? And I'm like, are we for real right now? <laughs> so it was a lot. And when we finally had it, um, again, I keep forgetting where I am. Um, I went to a PWI. So of course it was predominantly white. It was really low key because it, I mean, it was a small town. So not too many people but like out, even though Grinder had over like a hundred plus profiles, it was maybe like 70 people at the convention center that when we had like an event, but yeah, it was, it was all right. My first pride was like, meh. Um, it wasn't until I actually moved to Austin and went to a black Austin black pride event where I actually enjoy pride. Um, so yeah, it was, that was my whole pride in the back. It wasn't as fun as y'all's, which now I feel sad. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you, you were down there in Mississippi, I have family from there. Um, my parents are from this little, small little town called Monticello. And so, uh, I don't know how they have their pride events, <laughs> um, uh, but no, 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 ma'am, no, sir. I will never participate in no pride events down there. Not in that South. Oh yes. It's trash. It is super trash. That's why, and I fell back because I moved from this, I moved from Mississippi because the governor of Mississippi, um, was just too fucking much like he was um just uh, I can't even explain it he just was 
doing the most like he I guess his son was gay or something like that but he made it legal for if you were like a state employee that you can deny someone if they were coming to get married so the whole little situation had happened in Kentucky with that I think it was Kentucky or some somewhere in the south where this lady did not want to give a marriage license to a gay couple so she went to jail for it and all that and everyone like rallied around her or whatever so I guess that inspired Mississippi governor and like lawmakers to be like hey let's make sure that if you are standing playing in Mississippi that you can definitely deny a gay person for a marriage license because of your religion. I was like, oh, sweet Jesus. And I moved to Texas and then I found out about Texas and I'm like, sweet Jesus as well. So it's like, uh, it's a weird <laughs> situation for me. But, oh, Rocky, I am dying to hear about your pride and your first pride experience and how and what pride means to you. I actually don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. No one's your name. He had that great of a time. Yes. He partied uh, so hard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I think I probably uh, live such a sheltered life that I'm probably forgetting which pride probably because I went there secretly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm, I, but you know what, what pride means to me is obviously liberation. It's a, it's a complete tool of freedom. I think I'm trying to remember, maybe I was working, I probably was working the first pride, which meant that um, what I was doing was walking in the pride as a paramedic. And I think I only did that because I had never seen like uh, an ambulance in the pride parade and I always thought like oh you know like it would be it would have been cool to know that there was people that feel the way I do or have the same experiences I do working and living and breathing and having like yeah. regular regular ass lives you know what I mean like yeah. and, like uh, I think something about that was like truly inspiring to me because you know so long the narrative for me was that uh, there was no such thing as successful uh, people from our community um, or that there was people that were in our community, but their lives were super, super hard. And so when I was a paramedic, I met a lot of people who had been in the business for so long and uh, especially like, you know, police, fire, EMS, um, you know, there's a lot of people in our community that work in, in helper professions like that. And so I just got to like connect with that. I think pride means like connecting with history, remembering like why this kind of came to be. Um, and I've lived in Austin most of my life and I don't really remember when they started um, the pride here, but I know they don't do it in the same time as other other places like they don't usually do pride in June they do it in August, mm-hmm. and I think that they originally did it in June but maybe there was something about it that I wasn't able to go to. So the first time I got to go was like as part of a parade float, you know, <laughs> and it was a pain in my ass. I mean, <laughs> like, 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 like that already, you know, like, it's just like a time of year where everybody turns their attention to us. But, um, you know, it's also the time for fun, great fundraising. It's a lot of that. That's what that's turned into. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was like liberation, you know, going out, meeting queer people for the first time, seeing them be successful. Like that was really inspiring. And, and uh, you know, um, and now and then I did a, a lot of drinking brides, which I think everybody has a couple of those. And now I do a lot of staying at home pride, which I think <laughs> is probably every uh, person over a certain age's preference. Um, yeah, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think it also is really cool to see like things like what we did with the with the um, with the festival this year and, and like see different events pop up and see different creatives uh, come forward to kind of make new new events like that's yeah. been pretty cool as well. Word. 
first off, Rocky, I just want to say, like, every topic that I have for today, you have been the perfect segue king for that. So I'm going to just crown you segue king for all of the topics that we have today. Yes. <laughs> but um, I do want to ask you guys, because this has been a really heavy topic about pride, um, is, like, sexual, like, sexual pride, it's like, sexual, like, being sexual at pride, like, like a lot of people it's been a big discussion this year about like how sexual pride is and how um the newer younger generation gen z are like hey we're good with that we don't really want to see like a 50 year old's penis hanging out or like you know all of that like so what are what are your feels about like people trying to like police pride basically police people's body at pride like hey can we tone it down because we want to have our kids out here at pride and stuff like that like what's your feels like how what's everyone's opinion for me i'm like i'm like in between because i'm like uh i mean i mean i don't want to police i don't want to police anyone's body like i'm like yo let it all hang out be free this is pride this is probably the only time where you feel free to do this um or kink shame anyone um what have you but also, I do understand that kids also want to attend too. So maybe we have two prides, like a youth pride and then like an adult pride. I don't know. What are you guys thinking? So what's the difference between you taking your kids to a beach and they see somebody in a Speedo compared to someone that wants to be a little kinky? I mean, I feel uh-huh. like people are just like, <laughs> like people are... Um, Sometimes I feel people are just really sensitive and I know a lot of people will not agree with me on that, but I think a lot of people can be sensitive sometimes and I get it. Some things, they are sensitive matters, but we have to think about um, the prize that we've had, um, the prize in the past, how our prize have always been um, from the the beginning of prides. We, it has always been a celebration and gay people in general we are very flashy when we are celebrating. We are very flashy. We have a lot of um, decorative items going on. And I get it. You you want you want your children to be involved in that. Or if you have a gay child, you want your gay child to be able to be around people that are just like them. Um, but there are uh, prides or different things for that um, especially in bigger cities they cater to that so that's something else that I think the parents need to um, they need to do that's your job don't don't try to come to um, a time that's for me to be free with my friends and, and, and we doing some hot girl shit and then you, <laughs> tell me, <laughs> and you telling me that what I'm wearing or what one of my gay male friends is wearing, especially my really flamboyant ones who really want to be out there with they 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 boy shorts on and they they just out there just hang hanging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> basically Ryan. <laughs> yes, because you know that's me. Yes, literally. Yes. <laughs> literally, Ryan having a good time. Like you're not gonna, we're not gonna police Ryan. That's not what's gonna happen. So I get it. You want your kids to be uh, involved, but again. My first pride was in Vegas. Do you do y'all know the shit I saw as a kid? I mean, I get it, but okay, I'm gonna say this. I'm I'm gonna throw a little devil advocate here, and then Ryan, I see that you came. I mean, I see that you want to say something, so I'm gonna let you say something after I say this. But like, like, see, you said it though. History, like the history of pride. So I want to go back to the history of pride, though. Like I remember, and um, Rocky, please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, 
like the first prides like parades and riots that we're having they used to push those of us that wanted to you know be a little more like ourselves and out to the back of the parade it's like hey girls i'm gonna need y'all to go back because we're really trying to fight for rights here so we don't really want you guys like up front like you know that used to be the thing especially back in new york when they were holding parades and trying to make a cause they used to put like that like behind so they wanted it to be more of like a protesting type of thing um than what it is now of course over time things elevate and all of that and so that's why we have the pride that we have today which i do love i mean because you know you see some really nice bodies out there but you know just going back in history though like some people can't bring that up as an argument where it was like you know back in the day you know it wasn't about showing the body but you know what? I think that that's actually where you're you're wrong. So yes, the the original couple of prides were like riots. That 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 is true because they were more so. Um, you know, everything that was happening with with um, with the gays being abused and, and being beaten, and then the raids that were going on at the gay clubs and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So so that was different. That literally the the first several prides were were riots, but even within those, you had men and women that were proud of their bodies and proud of being around um, other people just like them. If you Google it, you will see even from the first prides, they're sitting there, you see the men wearing the short shorts with no shirts on. Really? That It's always been this way. That's why I, I, I say that. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Gays have always done gay things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're going to continue to do gay things. And again, I think that if you want your child to experience pride, it's with anything else. You have to make sure that it is child-friendly. If it's not child-friendly, don't take your child. Oh, yeah, take it your own risk. Yeah, I feel you. The term, like, like kid-friendly, child-friendly, it brings me back to this space of conditioning and all that other stuff because I personally feel like kid-friendly, child-friendly is really to each his own like that's a societal construct and also a lot has to do with heteronormative opinion too you know what I'm saying because a lot of what we what I personally think that I see is like okay this is made from a cis white man that obviously cheats on his wife this law or this person was made from a white woman that has that's very heteronormative that has no or her opinion was made and so now we're all following that and so when I like kid-friendly this and that and it kind of throws me off because to be transparent I had an event with Austin Black Pride this past weekend Mm -hmm. I will say I was very disconnected from it only because when it was brought to me it was like this has to be kid-friendly this has to be this this has to be that well my black ass doesn't know what that means because I don't have kids I don't have any kids around me except my dog so when someone says to me what is a kid-friendly person to someone that has had to finally fight out their box to be so loud and so proud I don't know what that means to I know what it means to be appropriate I know what it means to make a kid feel safe and not to make to make sure a kid's not in danger right but I don't know what I don't know what's your what C's parenting um toleration is versus Roberts or Rockies you know and so it's kind of like what's kid friendly I saw a kid there yesterday that was at the event and Everyone, I think, was worried about one situation that was happening. In my mind, I was like, the kid didn't even give a fuck. The kid was dancing, having a great time, da 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 But we were all so stuck on the term kid-friendly that they were like, oh, we're going to get in trouble or we're going to lose funding and all of this stuff 
due to a weird societal opinion that I still don't know who created the opinion to gauge that, you know what I mean? Like, and so it was interesting that, well, there was a kid in the crowd that the, I didn't see the mom react. I didn't see the parents react. I didn't see the kid react. I didn't see anyone reacting this negative notion that, that, that they were expecting. And so it kind of pissed me off even more because I'm here, we're doing something for the city. The city, or excuse me, the city came to us and, you know, it's telling us like, this is what we need to happen. We're trying to serve a community for vaccines, whether they're gay, straight, whoever you are. It confuses me because at this point, you're seeing where I'm at. You're supposed to see where I'm at. You came to me knowing who I am. And so I'm going to your point, see, when in history has gay people been quote unquote quid kid friendly to what society considers kid friendly? Because mm-hmm. if I had a kid, my kid's going to be out on pride if I want them to be. And if I didn't think that it was appropriate, like from the stuff that I've seen on Pride, if I personally think as a parent, I don't think that's, you know, something I would want them to witness, but I still want to incorporate them on gay culture, LGBTQ culture, then it's my choice to figure out other avenues, other ways, because that's another thing. White people think, not even white people, just people think that, oh, let me just take my kid to Pride to show that I'm doing my part. Here, let me just throw them in the Pride parade because I don't know what to do. And that's not always the case. Sometimes they need, I need to, there needs to, they need to know Stonewall history. They need to know more. And sometimes pride might not be for you. My pride might not be for that 14 year old or 13 year old or nine year old, but then for the other ones, it might be. So I think that it, that creates a conversation of, we need to stop trying to every, do everything on one accord unless it has to do with like love and treating people right. You know what I mean? But like yeah. all this, like, I got to do this or, you know, age limit for a whole like generalization of ages for certain things, because I'll be damned if you tell me that it's not appropriate for my kid that's experienced, um, that's going through a trans experience at nine years old. Oh, it's not appropriate. Well, you don't know what we talk about at home. You don't know what they visualize at home, what they mentally prepared for. So there's just so much conversation to that. So that's my thing with kid friendly. It just, it makes me kind of like, urgh. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, though. It does seem like that's what the case is. People are trying to uh, pretty much he- put heteronorms on pride, basically. With, like, Man. Uh, yeah, trying to make it like, very heteronormish. Like, point, point, you got Certain it. Certain types of clothing, and so... Um, I think, you know, leaving the choice in what people do with their bodies and their clothing and their presentation is is a huge, a huge component that we need to respect. That people want to include their children, everything... Um, and I, and I, um, and again, that's why I said there, there could be events for that. Um, give us something that you think will work, come together with the other straighter gay parents that are looking for kid friendly things and, and tell us how we could, um, introduce maybe a, a kid event during the day for the kids to go out to, I don't know, a community pool where they can do their pride or, or um, rent out a gym at somebody's school and the kids can, um, you know, go up there and and have their version of a painting with a twist, the kid style. I mean, but to, to, to come in and try to, um, again, police the, the whole overall thing. I mean, you're really taken away from, from how we, 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 we originally started we we started with riot with riots and we're gonna continue to be riots and so when when you go to a pride you just have to um, expect especially as time has gone on that we are going to continue to be 
these very creative and outgoing individuals. You are going to see costumes. You are going to see skinned because people are not going to be wearing clothing. (laughs) Um, You are going to see men and women shaking their butts. That is going to happen. Um, And if you cannot sit there and have a conversation with your child and talk to them about that and what's going on, then you shouldn't be there anyways. (laughs) I feel you. Oh, man. Okay, guys. So before we like wrap everything up, I just want to get you guys' last opinion on this, um, which is Black Pride. So we all know um, that Black Pride was started in the 90s. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it started in the 90s because the Black community saw um, a need for it because um, well, white pride wasn't really celebrating us, and we also still had a lot of things going on in the Black queer community um, that wasn't being addressed by mainstream LGBTQ pride. Um, so my question is: We've came a long way from the '90s. Do you think that Black pride is still needed, uh, and if so, why? I feel like if we didn't have Black Pride, we probably wouldn't be having conversations that we're having like now. Um, and I just think that if we didn't have something to establish that we are, are a disparity and a class of people that have a right to be prideful, then it kind of like just makes the folks that have been trying to tear us and other races down and other communities down win. So I personally love the Black Pride is a thing. I I love the difference when it's like, oh, there's Austin Pride, but then there's Austin Black Pride. I, I definitely get excited about that shit. I definitely make it very clear that, oh, yeah, there's Austin Pride. There's this Pride. Even when some people be like, oh, didn't Dallas just have a Pride? Yeah, but Juneteenth is different though. Like, you know, like, so I love all of that. And I love that we make it, it, it leave it up to me. I would, we would have a holiday every day of the year, or every weekend of the year, because as Black folks, it's something about celebration and renaissance that we are part of America. We're part of this country. We're part of the world. And I think that if we keep making like big staples that we're doing and saying we deserve a week, we deserve a day, we deserve reparations, we deserve to have a, we need we, all this stuff. We deserve anyone that's contracted with HIV to get proper healthcare, you know, like when we, cause then we can have those conversations because we're saying, well, bitch, I'm gay, I'm black, I'm pride, I'm trans, I'm lesbian. It's all these different things that we can say we're pride of and we're alive. Mm-hmm. So I just really enjoy the, the emphasis on it. And I don't, I was saddened when I figured out like for a long time that we didn't have like any events and then COVID happened. So it's just, it's been really exciting for me because we always, I see all these artists like just coming out of the woodworks or people coming up to me and Rocky the other day was like, how can I get involved? Not in Black Pride, but on the board, just the excitement of like people that are having like a fire inside of them because they see people like, us doing stuff and doing the work it makes me think like bitch I'm prideful and I'm very not gonna let that go like that's what it is to me and it needs to keep going oh yeah I totally agree I totally still agree that black pride should still be a thing because I mean we haven't we haven't gotten there yet like I don't still I don't feel like um like I don't know like just taking pride here in Austin um into consideration like when I went to white pride it was I'm not white pride sorry mainstream pride or Austin pride um 
it was nice. Um, it wasn't a lot of people that looked like me there. I mean, hands full here and there. Uh, we had a little bit of representation. I mean, rep- representation in certain companies and things of that nature. Um, but like when I went out the night, like at the clubs and things like that, like none of the music matched the type of music that is for our culture. And yeah, it was a little, it was a little disheartening. It didn't feel like a family. But when I went to Austin Black Pride, it just I don't know. It felt so welcoming. And it was, even though it's called Austin Black Pride, it was really diverse. Um, The majority Black, it still had diversity there. And it was very welcoming. It it felt like everyone was just welcome to be there. So I still feel like there's a purpose for Black Pride because Black queer people haven't gotten there yet. Like, we still have problems that still plague our community. As we were talking about earlier, like, we still have problems that plague our community that people that have visibility aren't really addressing are only making worse so yeah black pride is still a must um we need our space just like everybody else needs their space we need our own community like everybody else needs their own community so um i think um black pride it's needed that because we we need to be around our community everybody needs to be around their community we need to be around people that look like us and people that can um can relate um nobody wants to not be around people that they can't relate to so (laughs) um it's gonna always be needed heck yeah we need it I mean I think we heard from people at the at the festival this year Black Pride this year that this was they want more of it we need it not just in Austin but any place that has um a limited visibility of our community and really gets limited time the isolation um of our community is really something that we need to work towards combating. And this is one of the true true connective connection points that people um, have been able to help hang on to for the last few years in our area. I think a lot of people would appreciate the opportunity. Um, and I feel like if there's like, you know, a national podiatrist association or a penguin lovers, you know, c- consortium or, you know, all these random things that exist out there, like, I agree, like we should be able to have our own space that, that um, we get to run. And um, and I think that it's working and um, I can't wait to see what we do next. Yes, so true. Oh my God. So y'all, we've come to the end of Mighty Real Conversation, episode one, Pride. Um, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Um, anybody got any announcements they want to make before we say our goodbyes? No? All right then. All right, bye everyone. Thank you for listening again. And remember you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, um, visit our website, austinblackpride.org, and we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.